Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to the 166th episode of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a senior analyst at Constellation Research. He is a recognised industry expert on a variety of topics, including digital transformation, social collaboration and online business models. And in 2015, he was identified as one of the top 20 people most mentioned by IT leaders. So I'm delighted to welcome Dion Hinchcliffe to the show. Well, thank you, Phil. Appreciate you having me. Obviously, that was a very brief introduction. Um, it'd be quite interesting to hear a little bit about some of the other things you've been doing, particularly recently. Well, it's also uh, it might be useful to gain perspective on kind of where I started, which was I've always worked in large projects or large uh, IT strategies, even when I was first starting out, uh, typically reporting up to the CIO. For a while, I was chief architect for T. Rowe Price Investments. As a quite a quite a young man, and that was a real crucible that teaches you a lot about uh, applying technology to business and navigating political waters and making things very successful. When you know there, there's a lot of different priorities and different different views on how things get done. I also did a stint as a lead architect for uh, the Missile Defense Agency on their Advanced Battle Manager program. That's one of the largest IT projects in the world, and you learn a great deal on how to how to realize change and building leadership skills. And actually, I recommend anyone go through some government IT project because you learn so much about how to work effectively in bureaucracy with red tape, with very, very complicated requirements. Uh, and everything gets much easier after if you can survive something like that. So more recently, I work primarily with our CIO audience, uh, also chief digital officers, chief customer officers, chief marketing officers, but everybody is basically applying technology strategically to transform their business, to modernize it, to, to do all the things that everyone's got to do to catch up to the digital leaders. Uh, so I spend a lot of time developing strategies and then making sure they're, su- they're successful. These are digital strategies I'm talking about. So everything from go-to-market to how do I build, design, build, and execute a digital transformation program? How do I overhaul my IT landscape? Uh, how do I reduce that? that? So all the big issues, the large moving pieces on the chessboard that a CIO has to worry about or a C-level leader has to worry about is where I'm spending almost all my time right now. I write about it. I speak about it. I advise on it. I should do a lot of CIO workshops. So I really get to peer inside of organizations and kind of see how the sausage you know, is being made or not. And I get back to go back you know, a, a few months or uh, a few years after my recommendations and see how they turned out. So that's actually usually the most valuable part of what I do, which is learning about what works and what doesn't. Yeah, so that must be interesting to find out when you go back and, and see how they progressed and, and understand how, what impact you've made in terms of what they've done and where they are. Absolutely, and it's it's gratifying when it when it works out. I've been very fortunate that you know there's value in what I've advised, and sometimes what they tried didn't work out, and they, and they move on. And one of the big lessons is, is uh, strategies can get so far out ahead of, of reality of execution that it's very easy to develop a strategy that takes years to execute, right? And so 
even if I check back a year later, you, you find that they haven't gotten very far yet. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, we're in a fascinating business, but these days that's not, you know, moving that slowly is no longer acceptable. Speed is, is really the biggest issue right now that, that IT departments and technical teams are having to cope with. You also mentioned your, your speaking and blogging and writing. Um, is that something you do to sort of help other people understand the challenges that are out there and, and the, the sort of technologies that are available to them? Uh, I do. I mean, uh, the um, what I like to call myself as a storyteller uh, because what's missing really in our business because IT is, has, for most organizations, such a competitive implication is we don't really share what works and what doesn't very well. We don't want anyone to know that often. So we tend to be very secretive, and even our case studies tend to be very high level, right? So you, you kind of hydroplane over the top of all this, and you don't really know how they got something hard done or what key lessons they learned. And I go to conferences for a living, right? So I go to, you know, 50, 60 events a year and have for the last 15 years. And so I'm always going to the customer stories, and, they're, and they tend to be very bland and not helpful. And so what I try to do is, if you've read my stuff, you know, it's all – pretty in-depth and long form because we're trying to get down to stuff that actually matters. You know, how do you really do this? What are, are the moving pieces? Those types of things. So presumably you get some good feedback on that as well, because obviously, as you say, not a lot of companies tend to share what they do and the results they're getting. Yeah. And well, and also the, the value in writing. And also if you have read my work, you see that I always include diagrams and pictures. Uh, both of those really help me understand it too. Organizing your thoughts and writing them down and, and creating visuals that convey that really help help you as well. And you've seen my visuals. Almost everything I write includes my my diagrams. That skill was developed as an uh, as an IT architect when I had to go and ask for a lot of money. I, you know, sometimes we'd come back and realize we had to do a major architectural upgrade, and it's very difficult to go into a, you know a CIO's office or sometimes up to the boardroom and ask for millions of dollars for things they can't possibly understand or visualize. And so I discovered that one really great picture, A, makes it real for them, right? And, and it looks like that, you know, a PowerPoint slide with just a few words on it doesn't, won't raise $5 million. But a beautiful picture of what you're trying to do and the, what, what it will create, they can buy into that. That is an absolutely key skill. So learn how to write this all down, learn how to create the pictures that bring this to life in, in your stakeholders' heads, and you can, you can accomplish a lot. So, Dion, can you share a career tip with the IT Career Energizer audience, one they may not know and perhaps should? Well, the one that took me longer to learn than I should have is that it's absolutely critical, is a critical skill to be able to put yourself in your customer's place. And is often, we work with business users typically who are they're unfamiliar with our terminology, they're unfamiliar with technology, they're going through it for the first time. You may have gone through uh, a, you know, a technology rollout or, or an application development effort many dozens of times, but it's usually the first time for them. And even if it's been, if they've done it before, it has, it's been a while. And so much miscommunication and missed expectations often come out of that gap where you are really the professional and, and your bedside manner really matters a lot, trying to really empathize with where they are and their understanding and, and how you're holding everything, holding all the cards, right? And and their and their future and how their how their department or division is going to run after this technology is rolled out. It's, you know, it's usually very impactful for how they get business done. 
And so I found it very useful to try and really think about where they're coming from, you know, that, that they don't know anything about what goes on inside the, the, the IT department, or how it works, or all the experience that we've had, and ed- educating them and holding their hand and, and all that, and that, that, that whole empathy piece is, is so key. And when I did that, when I really learned to do that, I had much more success in terms of being able to engage effectively with stakeholders, convince them to take the risks I felt that, that they should take and understand them, to believe in us and support us as much as they could, especially when things go wrong or you have to go back and ask for more money. When you have all of that in place and they really they really sense that you're that you're trying to understand those things, it really makes a difference. Is there anything in particular that you do to enable yourself to be in their shoes, as it were? Uh, I try and visualize what their, their job is like. So I try to think about what they what they do and what they've seen. Because uh, I know they've only seen a, a small fraction, typically, of the IT landscape. I try and I think about what recent experiences they must have gone through, if I know of recent rollouts or other other things that have, that have happened. Because they, they're, they're trying to do the same thing, figure out how this is going to go. So they're thinking about all, all the experiences they've had with the IT department. Uh, and so just you know, really kind of tr- doing that creative visualization can help a lot. So Diane... Can you perhaps tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Well, I think the worst moments in IT uh, tend to be either when the project doesn't go well or when you have to deal with the staff that, that aren't working out. Right? And you know that probably are not going to, you're not going to be able to remediate that. And so I think plenty of people have spoken about IT project failure but I think really the hardest thing is being able to work with your staff and be able to let them go. And making the, even making that decision is one of the, the toughest things. And, and um, I recall I uh, we used to run a, a boutique consulting uh, firm that did what we ostensibly called IT project rescue. It was really we called it performance optimization, and we we charged a lot, and we and we hired the best people we could find to turn these projects around. And it was the first time we we let our, our one of our most senior people go in by themselves. We just couldn't be there to start the engagement. We got a call later on from from the client said it just just wasn't going to be a good fit. We, and we never, of all the years we've been running that business, we never had anyone send someone back. Not especially not one of our best people. And it was very difficult. It was it was the toughest thing I ever had to tell that person that that they just weren't cutting it. And that we couldn't use our services anymore. And I, I find that those moments typically are always the hardest ones where you have to, especially if you know they're otherwise good people, but it's just not going to fit the situation. Uh, and, and tell them that they don't, they, don't have, they don't have work anymore. They're not good enough. You know? um, yeah. And you can't really even say that. A difficult conversation to have. Yes. Those are the worst ones. So moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your IT career highlight or greatest success? Yeah, for a while. Uh, so I worked on um, a number of government projects, and uh, a lot of them are, are not ones I can talk about the actual project itself, but one was a very large government project that needed to go, wanted to adopt agile methods, but had never, like all government projects, had, had hundreds of people involved in it. And if you know anything about agile methods or agile processes, they're designed for small teams. They're not designed to take a, a vast government project agile. Nevertheless, we felt, uh, as we were agile coaches, we felt that you, it could still benefit from a lot of it. And so what we did was we, we rethought agile uh, methods to figure out how would you take a large distributed team and apply the methods and be able to do the, the types of stand-ups and be able to do 
user stories and and take into fast feedback loop, ship a, a code every week and show it to customers and and do those things, even though it was a very distributed team. And we learned a lot and um, we had a lot of hard knocks, but we actually were able to apply a lot of the agile ideas and concepts effectively in the processes and we greatly sped them up. And enough, I would still say it was the effort became fairly agile. I was doing a lot of things, getting frequently shipping, working software, prioritizing the user stories, showing stuff to the customer all the time. And it was slower than any agile team ever would be, but uh, it was certainly much faster. And so it was taking this large government project and making it much more agile. And for a while, because I was active quite a bit in the agile community, we were one of the largest basically quasi-agile projects in the world for a while. Now, since then, they've done it. They've done things like that much larger, but yeah. So it it really felt great. We were doing something really advancing the state of the art, and what then was you know the vanguard of new development processes. What excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT in particular? I think it's the most exciting time to be in IT ever. Even you know we have tremendous challenges. You know most large companies are struggling under huge amounts of technical debt and legacy systems, what we call legacy mountain, that they're kind of chained to, and ninety percent of their budget gets sucked from doing that. And no one wants to be a drone just maintaining that, right? They want you want to go out being creating new things. Well, the budgets are increasing to do that. Um, and technology spend for technology is increasing across the organization, not just in IT. And, and people going into IT today are not going to be stuck uh, as drones in the back office unless they want to be. They can come out and really shape the future of the digital experience for the company, the digital products and services, and really kind of involved in that, you know, what we what we call digital transformation, which is one of the most exciting domains. And most businesses are only very incomplete in their efforts in doing that. And, and so for the next five or 10 years, that's what they're going to be spending on. And investments are up, not necessarily in IT, which is interesting. IT budget still only growing, you know, small single digits, but technology spend is way up across the organization. So you want to do a cross-disciplinary technology specialty where you're working with marketing and the customer team and, and the chief digital officer and then leveraging all every, everything in IT and applying AI and analytics and data science. It's a very exciting time to do yeah. So why do you think that sort of shift from um, that sort of you know, predominantly maintenance function into more of a change delivery function has, has taken place? What, what are the reasons for that? Well, because if you don't digitize your organization, you simply won't survive. That's the data. You know, the one that's always bandied about is most of the companies from the year 2000 are gone. And the number one reason is failure to adapt to technology conditions, basically not modernizing their products and services. Over 60%, I think it's closing on 70% of those organizations are gone. So we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? I am. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Well, it's where I could have a job where I'd be working primarily with creating things with technology. And, and um, you know, I learned a program when I was uh, 11 years old. And I realized, you know, you, with a computer, you can basically create your own universe you, you, with, with its own rules. And, and, and it's a whole universe unto itself. Uh, that, and that, that's very fulfilling for those who like to be able to do that sort of thing. And the only way you can really get access to a lot of budget and to be able to create a lot of those things is to go into a business and, and work in the technology department, which is what I typically did, although often as a consultant. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? Probably that in IT, uh, we tend to get pretty complacent and we like to gravitate towards the technologies and platforms that, that we know so well. But the best advice I ever received was 
being told to push myself out of my comfort zone on a regular basis. Try new things, even if they don't even necessarily seem related to IT. But that's when we, we learn the most, right? So especially in IT, we like to be experts in what we're doing and, and have you know, mastery of the technologies. But it's when we're doing something new we don't know well, that's when we grow. And, and so I often, to this day, push myself into new things to learn them and to find out what they're about. And it really broadens your worldview, builds your skill set. And so if you're feeling really comfortable, you might be doing something wrong. You might want to think about that. That's my favorite advice I've received. Do you feel you've developed that into a habit? Is that something you sort of deliberately go out and do? You can almost argue for those that know me and follow my work that I'm a novelty seeker as a result of that advice, Stephen. I really go out there looking for new and exciting things that have potential. And I'm always, that's what I talk about. That's what I write about is what's new, what's exciting, why does it matter? How do you think about it? How do you apply it? Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, I've really taken that to heart, I think. And uh, on the flip side of that, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? The worst career advice I've ever received is, um, uh, I hate to say it, but it was from my father, who was not a big fan of technology. And and he had seen how in the 50s and 60s, there was a big run-up in the engineering business. And he said, son, I, I, I really worried about you going into the technology business. I saw what happened to it when there was you know, a huge glut of engineers in the world. And he was worried about unemployment. And, you know, I, I tried to convince him. I said, you know, Dad, this technology thing is going to be the, probably the biggest thing that's ever happened to the human race. I, I'm not worried about it. And so far, that's the case. Our industry consistently and stubbornly has negative unemployment and will for the foreseeable future. And if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I would probably learn more about business than I did. I ended up having to, to learn a great deal about it. And I always, I always felt like I'm going to learn as little as I possibly can and so I can focus on you know the, the very large and complicated domains of technology. Most people don't understand how complicated IT is. Uh, but on the business side, most technology people don't understand how that world either. And I would have studied business more quite a bit earlier. And I would have, I can almost guarantee you would have gone farther. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? I've really moved into taking my writing and, and I want to uh, write more books. I've written two books and edited a few. And uh, I, in doing so, it's always very rewarding. It's an enormously difficult task and, and hugely challenging to carve out the time for. But it's also the most rewarding thing. So I, you know, my plan is for the rest of my career, I like to publish uh, three or four really notable books that really kind of unpack everything that I've learned in my career in specific areas, one being the next one being on digital transformation. Yeah, that's a great objective, definitely. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Almost certainly people skills. IT folks are famously not very good on that. And I was simply forced to. I, I can't say I was very different from the typical old school, uh, we now look as kind of an old school data processing person who's in the back working with the, the tape machine and the PDP 11 and all of that and never talk to a customer. Well, you have to, in order to be able to, uh, to do that is the people skills have been, been my number one, you know, d developing those early, uh, because of having any at all, uh, created such additional positive results that I very quickly ended up realizing that's one of the most important things. Yeah, no, definitely is. Um, communication skills, people skills, as you say. Yeah, it's absolutely key now, isn't it? I think as well with the change in the way that IT is now delivered as well, it's far closer to the end user. That is so important. 
Yep, exactly right. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Well, unfortunately, that's mostly a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're always um, looking at exploring new things and tracking new things, what's amazing is I maintain these lists uh, over the years about all the new things you really have to investigate and learn about. And that list is as big as it's ever been. And if you're really excited about new things, you know, maintaining that those types of lists and what are the things I want to go look at and what I want to learn, I want to try to use. I try and use everything I read about and try to actually get hands on with it. You learn so much more that way. Uh, and I get excited about that. Uh, it's when I'm having to do all of the overhead, all the things that aren't related to that, that's more more tedious. And I say, really try and, <laughs> you know, it's like the, the four-hour work week. You know, Tim Ferriss is like, you know, if you're only yes. spending four hours a week doing what you really love, you're, you're, you're actually in luck. So, yeah. And what do you do away from technology in your spare time? Well, I recently, even though I'm nearly 50, I uh, had um, twins, uh, boy-girl twins. And oh, right. Ex- Congratulations. Thank you. They keep me extraordinarily busy. Uh, and when I'm not doing that, I am I travel for a living, so I get to go to uh, see exciting places, and I make you know 360-degree movies and fly my drone around. I collect wine, uh, and before the kids were born, I was uh, a climber, uh, you know, a technical rock climber. So I hope to get back to that when they get a little older. And Dion, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? One of my biggest uh, additional lessons, other than the ones we talked about here, is is really learning to set your information, your knowledge free. It used to be that as an IT expert. You, know, you used to be the gatekeeper. People would have to come to you because you were the expert on this system or the house, you know, how something worked or some piece of technology. And that gave you a lot of power. And now it's so much more powerful to set that free to work for you, right? So to write about it, to to share the knowledge, to get on your, your chat system, your enterprise social network, and really engage. And it actually gives you far more power because your, your knowledge is now working for you 24 hours a day for the rest of the time uh, within the organization. And people now know to come to you for even more. Right. And not only that, but it offloads you from having to answer all those questions all the time. So I really say set your information free, make it work for you. Uh, it makes you so much more valuable in the organization, more visible. And it's really good for your career uh, to do that. So I, I advise share and share. Yeah, very much so. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Well, you can track what I'm doing on uh, Twitter at D Hinchcliffe. That's D-H-I-N-C-H-C-L-I-F-F-E, um, easily found on, on Google as well, and dianehinchcliffe.com, uh, as well as on ZDNet. Diane, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yes, thanks so much, Phil. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest career tips, advice, and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening and remember 
If you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.